welcome to The Insatiable Appetite. My name is Robertson Allen, and I am here with my colleague, Melissa Abbott, who is the VP of um, Hartman Retainer Services here at the Hartman Group. Um, and we're going to talk today about gender-based marketing. Um, and this is something that we've been talking about um, off and on at the Hartman Group for a while. Um, but maybe just to begin with uh, this episode, uh, Melissa, what, what, how would you characterize what gender-based marketing is? Rob, this is a great question. I know it's something, as you mentioned, we uh, kind of grapple with here at the Hartman Group, uh, you know, around the water cooler and while we're out doing landscape reviews and, and retail audits, uh, because there are so many products out there. When we think about the history um, the more recent history of gender-based marketing, of course, in the food industry, you'd see you know more products that were geared towards women or more specifically marketed towards women tended to be uh, of a certain color, lighter, pink, often, mm-hmm. um, you know, slimmer in size, um, and more often than not, would reference um, some you know measure of restriction, whether it's diet or um, thinness, uh, but also while you are also able to indulge, but also have this, this diet-oriented thing, so you have to sort of deny yourself of something, um, and you also have to, whether it's in the portion size or in the actual taste and flavor. Um, right. But today, it's, and, and for men, back, um, back in the day, it was, you know, the hungry man was basically what you got mm-hmm. if you're thinking about gender-based. you up. Yeah, it's right? Calories. It's easy, yeah, yeah. Today though, it's a, it's a little bit different today. It's becoming really fragmented. So now when we see products that are so obviously marketed towards one specific gender, mm-hmm. it seems it's it's becoming uh, somewhat off-putting to consumers um, for the most part. Yeah, I think things are changing in other areas too beyond food. Um, if you think about just toys in general and the way toys have traditionally been marketed, retailers like Target. Are mixing things up. They're putting boys and girls toys within the same aisle. Um, of course, there's not really a direct equivalency with that and food, but it, I think it does indicate that things things are changing some somewhat. Yeah, and culture is changing too, and we start to see how role models, uh, what we expect to be, you know, more feminine or ma- more masculine, is certainly changing, mm-hmm. um, and things are less binary uh, in many ways than they once were. It doesn't mean that you know the whole population is is uh, jumping on on this bandwagon, and there will always be certain products that are um, appropriately should appropriately be gendered mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Um, but when we think about how um, there are examples of like the how might this might be uh, misappropriated in some ways, um, and I think of some examples such as the pink ribbon, all really mm. perhaps overused in many ways, and overused yeah. on some products where they just sort of don't belong. To like you. like pink ribbon on a bottle of wine, or things that might be actually connected with cancer in That's some ex- way. That's exactly right. Yeah. So a pink ribbon on a bottle of wine is a really in- good indication of um, not understanding uh, the consumer and how the consumer's thinking, what the motivations are that, you know, there is a causation. Is it causation or correlation when it comes to breast cancer and mm-hmm. alcohol consumption? Well, you know, research is pointing in one direction right now. So it's probably not a good idea to try to raise money for breast cancer on a bottle of wine or other types of alcohol yeah. um, for that uh, from that perspective. Well, I mean, that makes me think about one other thing that we've seen lately with uh, the 
closure of this year's Pride season back in June. Um, and one thing that um, we've observed is that there is a tendency for a lot of companies to put rainbows on their products in support of, of Pride Month on LGBTQ populations. Uh, but um, it, it, it doesn't always seem to be uh, matching where you know, their priorities are in some sorts of ways. Yeah, it's really interesting because it, it seems um, in the month of June that everyone is on board when it comes to Pride because rainbows are everywhere. Of course, we are based in the Seattle area um, and we do travel to a lot of the major cities around the U.S. for much of our work. But we do go to smaller cities, too, and towns when we're doing our research and we do see that, you know, rainbows were popping up in bakeries and all kinds of places. But when you really start to, you know, uh, you know peek beneath the hood, if you will, and you realize that, um, you know, making rainbow cookies is a great idea to promote the notion of um, equality, um, that when you're not actually contributing towards uh, an organization or towards the benefits of the LGBTQ community, but you're just profiting mm-hmm. off this rainbow yeah. cookie yeah. because it seems like it's really fun and that you're doing the right thing there we see that um consumers are really the expectation is that there should be some monetary reward yeah, like or direct some, giving back to exactly the exactly so the bottom line on something like that if you're going to use the pink ribbon or you're going to um support um you know the, with rainbows uh the lgbt community throughout the year not just in june there has to be some kind of um transparency, if you will, when it comes to actually giving back mm-hmm. to that particular cause. And talking about what it is you're doing um, to support that community. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Well, one thing that we, we have also discussed is that, you know, there's, you know, what is the appropriate way, you know, there, there are brands and food brands, especially that it may be more appropriate to uh, one market or the other. Um, and we were talking earlier about you know, how there might be this shift, a more appropriate way to, to market to benefit areas, uh, things like satiety or energy or you know, convenience even, or, or just wanting protein and that sort of thing. Is, is that something that you've seen uh, shifting in the market too? Yes, absolutely. What we're seeing is this uh, really interesting Uh, proliferation of products that are rightly marketing towards occasions, essentially, Mm, and those need states, like you were saying, so that it's not just about half of the population or uh, profiling certain segmentation in terms of, you know, these are women from um, this age and income mm-hmm. bracket with this many kids. you're really missing out a lot, a lot of the market. Exactly. And, and the most importantly, that same woman, she might uh, think or act differently um, mm-hmm. different times of the day on yeah. different occasions based on, on how things change. And you know, we've seen a lot of products out in the marketplace, but um, I was just think, looking at one. They, the, the, there's a yogurt that's definitely marketed more towards men in a in a black package, and it seems like it's a it's a bigger cup and it's mm-hmm. got more protein. And I thought, well, geez, you know, I'm I'm sort of a physically active person, and I thought that's actually the kind of yogurt I would want. But when you right. put it in a black packaging and you put power all over it, it almost seems like it's got like. Like, you it's know, not for you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not suggesting it's for me. I, I like it's not. I'm not their target market. That yeah, it makes me wonder what how marketers are kind of coming up with this 
the, these sorts of marketing plans. Mm-hmm. And then a few years ago, it's no longer on the marketplace, but French Meadow Bakery, which is a fantastic bakery in the Minneapolis area, they had a men's bread and it specifically said men's bread on it. I remember a few years ago, I thought it was so funny. They know it's no longer on the market. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. But it's a really good indication of like, well, why should this just be for men? Like if there are pumpkin seeds in it, does that mean it's not certainly not bad for women? Right. It does promote certain um, health benefits for, for men, but there's nothing, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, deleterious for women to yeah. consume <laughs> any of the ingredients in there. So that's a really good example of a product that um, is high quality, made with really good ingredients ingredients, excellent integrity and intentions, but it was just not really marketed mm-hmm. in the most appropriate way. Yeah. It makes me think of um, man size Kleenex. Gosh. Right? Yeah. You know, um, people need uh, heavy duty Kleenex from time to time and not just men. Not just yeah. men. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but we are seeing some positive moves in some directions um, where we're seeing some of the more diet-related brands really shifting their marketing because obviously that was tended to be geared more towards mm-hmm. the female um, the female consumer. But now we're seeing that it's you know more about empowerment and eating you know according to fresher, less processed, and and it's uh, speaking to a lot of the aspirations um, and behaviors that we're, you were mentioning earlier, like more mm-hmm. about food, how food is processed, where it's grown, yeah. and the, essentially the the preparation and freshness of it, rather than it just being about calories yeah. itself. So it's good to see that changing and a lot of the marketing changing in like the Weight Watchers and Lean Cuisine space. But even with that too, you know, we're seeing some of the bars that are at the bars, bar category is a great one where there was Think Thin is a great one that seemed very much specifically mm-hmm. geared towards women. And now they've changed it and I don't know how well they're doing, but I think it's kind of curious that they shifted it to just think. Mm. And the packaging yes. is much more neutral. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very low sugar, high protein, so it ticks a lot of boxes for anyone yeah. who's um, seeking those types of attributes. So I don't know. Have you seen that? That how they've shifted from? I need to go to- check that out. I mean, I, I I've tasted those bars before and I've enjoyed them. Um, so yeah, I need, I need to check the bar space a little bit more because I, I have my go-to bars, you know, that I just just pay attention to and get. Um, but you know. There, there's a lot of dynamic stuff going on there. Yeah. Well, what else do you think, Rob, about some of you know some examples in the in the marketplace where mm-hmm. you see this shifting for the better? Where? Yeah. Um. Actually, I uh, saw an article in Eater um, the other day that um, is on a beverage, White Claw, the alcoholic beverage, um, and they were profiling how White Claw really has been able to overcome this stereotype of malt beverages being for women. Um, and they've, they've embraced the imagery uh, to where the, the, the drink is, you know, marketed to um, not just women, but, you know, men and women. So there, there might be a, a might indicate an overall shift in the alcohol market, especially. In this, this I'm not as familiar with white claw. Mm-hmm. So this is basically a like mixed bottled cocktail with. Um, yeah, hard it's, alcohol. it's a malt beverage that's you know flavored, uh, kind of in the same sort of way that Lacroix is li- mm. flavored. Oh, so, and and weren't you telling me earlier that the sales for that seems to be that there are more men actually buying white claw? I, I haven't checked the sales lately, but yeah, I, it seems to be that there there is a shift. There is um, a concerned effort for um, White Claw to be 
you know, making their beverage more uh, appropriate for for, for men and both women. sexes or anyone at this at yeah. this stage. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it seems like the success then seems to be that it's a you know try try your best not to gender your products, uh, and that will enable more consumers to be able to enjoy them and use them throughout the day based on occasions and need mm-hmm. states rather than gender. Yeah. For the products that actually, you know, do have direct um, appeals to one gender or the other, I'm thinking about Old Spice, you know, do it. You know, of course, it makes if it makes sense to your product, do it, but don't be offensive, right? You know, uh, and we are very happy to uh, talk with clients and consult mm-hmm. on you know, appropriate ways to, to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so we're happy to help out with any folks in any way. And I love that Old Spice example because it does speak to the fact that there are certain times when, you know, something more gendered and using humor Mm -hmm. in a really appropriate way is probably the best route there, too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for chatting with me a bit today. Thank you as well. Yeah, so thanks so much, everyone. And we look forward to uh, chatting with you on the next episode of The Insatiable Appetite. Signing off for now.